Hi, welcome to the show. How about you guys introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Colin. I am the, the lead artist and programmer for Bunky Games. Hi, um, I'm Jace. I'm the uh, level design, PR, and concepts. Yeah, and for the listeners out there, while they're listening to the podcast, um, where can they find out more information about your, your game studio? Yeah, for sure. So if you go to uh, bunkygames.com, B-U-N-K-E-Y games.com, um, we're constantly, the, up, the, the website's currently kind of, you could say, in a beta state, so it's kind of lacking a little bit of information, but you can find out a lot of info about our social media, some projects we're working on, um, some updates we've done, and so that's basically the best place to go for okay. all the, our information. Yeah, and for the audience out there, I've met um, one of the uh, members, you know, the studio through the mentorship thing that I offered on the podcast show, and and part of the mentorship was once the project was done or once the, once the mentorship was down done, it was optional to actually just do an interview uh, to discuss the project or the game that was released, and so that's why um, we set up this interview just just so the audience knows in advance. Um, so this kind of kind of is like the the finishing part of the mentorship that that we did and we can discuss a little about that during the interview too um so yeah can you talk more about the game that you did just work on this was the game that you you actually emailed me uh saying that you you wanted some mentorship i think related to this game right yeah that's something else okay yeah so so first of all what inspired you to do that like (laughs) Yeah. So, well, specifically with the mentorship, I was I was just looking for some uh, just some indie game development podcasts in general, and uh, I, I came across yours. And then uh, I was just kind of scrolling through the page, just kind of interested in the stuff. And then I noticed you were offering a mentorship. And the day that the deadline was ended was the day I was looking at it. Like that was the last day. So I'm like, I I guess I should probably email. I'll, just, I'll go for it. And at that point, I don't think I had even listened to any of the podcasts. And so I was just like, I mean, might as well try it. And so I emailed, and then a couple days later, I think, I got an email back. And then, uh, yeah, I guess that's how that came about. But Okay. And, and so what's the game that, um, can you describe or, yeah, um, describe the game that you, that you worked on? Yeah, so the game, the game that, that I did for the mentorship and the game that we just released was, is called Flipper, F-L-I-P-R. And uh, Flipper is basically, it's, you could say it's a minimalistic puzzle slash arcade slash uh, really difficult game. Um, basically, you, you control gravity in 90-degree increments to the left or to the right, and then you're, basically your goal is to collect the, the orbs or coins that are in the level and to not die. And that's, that's the main simple goal of the game. It's kind of a classic theme, but the, the whole gravity mechanic kind of throws people off, and it's kind of a, a neat change on the classic yeah. platformer idea. And what, uh, what platforms did you release it on? Yeah, so um, currently we are on Google Play. So for Android, we're also on um, Amazon for, for, for Fire, Kindle Fire, all those devices. And then we're pending for Amazon Underground, and we're planning on going after iOS shortly. We're kind of doing a – we did a kind of a soft launch, so we're kind of slowly getting user input and trying to make it as good as we can before we do that. And then we'll potentially go after Steam later on at a later date. But for now, those are our first kind of platforms we Okay, and and so Steam might might happen later then. Yes, it kind of depends on like, basically what we hear back from the users will will all decide uh, what happens in the future basically. Okay, and um, yeah, I guess what were some of the challenges you encountered as you were working on the game? Um, yeah, and I guess like how long did it take to develop the game too? Yeah, so the game was first started. I would say probably halfway through February. I would guess maybe no, actually. That would actually no. It would probably be the beginning of February because the mentorship started on like the 
8th, I think. So it was okay. probably the beginning of February, maybe a little bit before that, maybe the end of January. And so it's, I guess it's been about like a month and a half, maybe pushing two months now uh, okay. for that. And then I don't remember what the other question was. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess just um, like, yeah, what what were some of the challenges you had or anything uh, yeah. else like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just kind of going through the game, it went pretty smooth because this is like this is kind of a concept and a prototype that I've done several times in the past. I really just like the general idea of manipulating gravity in 90 degree increments, like just kind of was really exciting to me. I, I just really like that kind of random uh, sort of mechanic. And so this is definitely, a, it's, it's, it's a prototype that we had messed with uh, several times in the past. And I think I was just kind of like itching to get a game out the door. So I picked up something that I'd already done and completely redid it from the ground up, and that's kind of what Flipper turned it into. When you say you worked on the prototype several times before, what, I mean, I guess, what were those variations? And, and I guess what inspired you to finally go ahead with it this time versus the, the previous times? Yeah, so, well, first of all, the other variations were very uh, close, uh, very similar graphical, uh, they were, the, the graphics themselves were just a little bit different, and also there was there were less mechanics, and the mechanics themselves weren't as fleshed out as, as in this version. And then it's just like what made me want to finish it was with something. The reason I've, I I came back to this prototype several times in the past was just like the simple fact of that it, it was enjoyable. Like I I had fun making it, but I also had fun playing it myself, which I think yeah. is a pretty good combination. And then so because of that, I also as a team, one thing we struggle with a lot is just finishing games because we're kind of in that that phase where we're like we can do this simple game and we also could potentially do this complex game. And so when we start on the simple game, we're like, no, we need to do something better. And then when we start on that complex game, we're like, let's do something smaller. And so we kind of go back and forth. So this was a great game for us to sort of kind of lunge forward uh, into the industry a little bit further and uh, trying our best to, you know, get our feet wet a little bit, I think. I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling that uh, this game is going to sort of kickstart our company and help us um, expand our, uh, the types of games that we can create. Now that we have experience uh, actually putting out a game, yeah, because yeah, we've we've been making we've been we've released uh, some other s- smaller just sort of demos for free online, and those were all fine. But th- for us, like we have the skills that that's something that we've known, like we ha- we we know what to do. We just had a really hard time committing and really following through, and so that's kind of what this game was for us. It was a really kind of simple, minimalistic kind of just a really nice entry to actually in- into the industry and to actually finish a game, and. For prototyping, you know, let's let's um, touch on the prototyping some more. Sure. So, you know, you said that this game because I thought when I when I looked at the game, I thought it, it definitely had an interesting mechanic to it that was unique and and it felt new. And so my question is is you know, and you said that basically you know a prototype is good when it's first of all fun to make, but also fun to play. Have you ever had a prototype where it was fun to make? but not fun to play? Or, I mean, do they go hand-in-hand hand all the time? Or what are your thoughts? Um, almost every single, like, almost every other prototype that I've done is that way. Like, I love making games. That's the only reason I still make games. It's really, really enjoyable for me. Okay. And so, like, I have fun making that pretty much anything. I've made some really random stuff and some really just kind of out-there stuff that wasn't that great, but I had a blast making it. And so, for me, I know a game has at least some potential, f- for me to be happy with it at least, if it's not only fun to make but also fun to play. And for me, personally, that's a really hard... Uh, place to meet because making games for me is just naturally fun and playing games is naturally fun but making games that aren't naturally fun is not naturally easy so yeah uh yeah i guess that's that's it for that and 
have you well how do you know that the other games aren't fun to play that you have fun making i mean is it, do you show it to other people or do you have other people play it and they're like no this isn't fun or what what are your thoughts on that well the biggest thing for me is that i'm i'm kind of a perfectionist at, at my core and so like i spend way too much time on the small details when a prototype really should just be kind of a really just kind of a, a mess just kind of like getting it out there and for me i like i make like nice high quality art as nice as i can and i waste too much time on that in the really early stages and so the prototypes really never get as far to where they actually would be fun. And I know like I've heard things about like if 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 a, a prototype isn't fun at its at, at its simple core, then it, there's very small chance that it will be once it's fully developed. And yes. so I've kind of gotten to that point where it's like this is okay, but probably only I would play this. It's not super fun. And so that's when I start over and that's kind of yeah. Can you discuss some of the other prototypes you've worked on? I mean, are they variations of this current game? I mean, I'm trying to understand you know, and also for the audience, how they can prototype and come up with something novel or unique, yeah. kind of like what you did with this current game. For me, personally, I'm really into physics-based games. Like, it doesn't, nothing really specific, but, like, just physics, this is a physics-based game, obviously. And, like, when it, like, whatever game, it seems that whatever game prototype I work on, it always involves physics in some way. I've done uh, a prototype that was it was for a game jam too, but it was what you had to sort garbage or sort recycling as it came through a chute and make sure it, they all ended up in the right bin. Um, we were working on a fast food simulator for a while. That was pretty neat. We got kind of far in that, but we just kind of dropped it because it was just had a lot of uh, physics issues that we couldn't really address at that point. Um, I mean, I've worked on uh, just honestly, like most of my prototypes always have to do with physics, and for some reason that just comes. I don't. It not necessarily comes naturally for me, but it just feels feels right because like those physics based games. Those are the games I like to play the most, and so as a developer, I kind of like to make the games that I like to play. And so a lot of times, most of my prototypes had to do specifically with physics. I think um, many people like physics-based games because they're uh, sort of bringing the game closer to the real world. Yeah. Because um, an example, of a game in which um, there isn't physics, it feels farther away from real life. And the closer it is to doing something in real life that you couldn't normally do in real life, for example, um, changing gravity, then the more fun it is. Yeah, and I can like to expand on that. I mean, I just think just to touch on it briefly. I think that's why VR is becoming the next big thing because it is, you know, that much closer to real life. And so that's kind of for me. That's I mean, that's a good point. Like that's kind of why I like those physics-based games. And that's all of my prototypes. Like, I can't even think of one off the top of my head that didn't have anything to do with physics. Yeah. So I think part of that is just because there's emergence that. That's, it's just easily to have emergent things happen when you have physics system, a physics system you're interacting with, right? I mean, yeah, for sure. And, and that's why people like physics and multiplayer, right? You look at Rocket League, where it's like, because there's emergence that can happen when you socialize with people. You know, there's emer emergent behavior, and then there's emergent behavior with physics. So, I yeah, think and Rocket League, Rocket League is one of those things that you can't, you can't do in real life, really. So it's kind of like it kind of yeah. combines people really like oh, yeah, being fantasy. social. Yeah, for sure, because people really like being social. Physics really, like like he said, it really does touch on sort of the real life sort of deal. And then like like you know the driving cars and crashing into a soccer ball is something generally you wouldn't do in real life. So it's kind of a way for people to sort of do things that they don't want to risk doing in real life. And that's kind of why I like these physics games because like I don't plan on ever having a fast food job, but like working at a crazy fast food restaurant might be fun for like twenty minutes a day or something, you know. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. Well, yeah, so I guess as you were developing the game, any other challenges or issues that came up? Like, what what were what was the most surprising? Because you mentioned that you worked on previous kind of prototypes, but never really 
and you and you did release a few simple games, but you never really, I guess, went as committed as you did here. I guess, what were some of the surprises or challenges you faced as you developed this game? Yeah, so something that I didn't expect, I kind of took the levels for granted, and I, I mean, I think maybe Jace could touch on that, but the, for me, like, the biggest surprise for me is something that I never really thought of, is that, this is kind of a general thing, but like, I guess it might be a personal thing too, but when I'm working on like, uh, technology stuff, like really technical, bug fixing, mechanic building, like really technical engine stuff, and then all of a sudden switching to working on like, art or levels or like, that kind of thing, it just doesn't work. Like, having my mind focused on this technical stuff and then trying to move over to the creative stuff doesn't work. So that was actually one of the biggest problems I had with just keeping up on the game because the game is half technical, half creative because there's lots of really interesting levels. You have to be smart about the art and it has to look nice. And then also you have to, like, go in and fix this nasty code. And so that was a big challenge for me and that kind of hindered the, the, the development process. Um, but to be a little bit more technical, I think we had we had some crashing issues. Never, ever through the development we had performance issues, but... Towards the end, we started getting these crashes that would come up really often, and it was throwing us off because the crashes would only come when you try to load a level, and that was really frustrating for us because we had no idea why. Uh, and we remedied most of those crashes. We, we're still seeing a couple occasional crashes on the on the app now, and we're, that's kind of why we did the soft launch. We're kind of working on slowly kind of fleshing those out, but that was that was the biggest challenge, and we still haven't fully grasped that yet. Um, but performance for us has been like really solid all the way through. Um, we've never had we didn't have a problem with that. So I, I would say the crashes and then just like trying to switch back and forth between creative and technical mindset has kind of hindered the process a little bit. And that's where I come in because yeah. I get to um, stay towards the uh, creative side while Colin sticks to the technical stuff and I feel we work a lot better that way if we can um, stay in one field at a time and yeah. uh, keep our mind on track. Yeah, I feel, I feel like with indie development that has been the sticking point for a lot of developers is mastering the the balance between creativity and also the technical execution because if the technology execution isn't there it just it doesn't work and i know that now there are tools like unity and and other things that make it a lot easier to technically execute on things but it's still something i feel that indie developers have to keep in mind as they as they you know pursue their projects yeah i think that's the biggest reason that that we actually finished the game because for me that's actually one of the biggest places where i've stopped uh, previous prototypes is because I'm getting to the point where I actually have to start being really creative and coming up with these really unique, interesting concepts and ideas. And this jumping out of the technical mindset, it makes me feel like the game's not getting done, and then I just get frustrated and drop it. So I think it's really important to have, honestly, to have a partner. Like having a partner in it when you're making an indie game. Some a lot of people do it on their own, and I, I mean, I give props to those people because they have really diverse minds. They can kind of split things up. But for a lot of people, it's really great to have a partner because the partner can take care of the things that you just can't focus on, right, when you're, yeah. when you're working on this stuff. So I think for us, that's something that really helped us actually get the game out the door. Um, during the mentorship, I think we discussed you finding some people on other places just to help you with some stuff. Like, um, So like the music was done by someone that you found online. Can you talk more about that? And I guess... Was that surprising to you that you're going to get, a, you know, some of your content or a lot of your help from people that you've never really met? Yeah, that was that was a new concept for me for sure. I've tried to like, I guess I have a lot of pride too. Like, I, I tend to think like if I can do it, then I should do it. And that's the thing. Like, you know, actually adding someone else on the team and having someone do levels, having someone do music, it's sort of you almost give part of your game up, but in a way, it like becomes so much better as a whole. And so, like going after the music specifically. Um, I, I went to Reddit because Reddit is like, honestly, when it comes to game development, uh, just like as a general form, Reddit is a really, really great resource and anyone who's not utilizing it definitely should be. 
and there's a specific uh, subreddit called I Need a Team. And I just basically put out a call for anyone who's willing to help work on a uh, indie sort of puzzle kind of arcade action game uh, project if they want to help out on the music side. And so I basically did that before I went to bed one night. And I woke up the next morning with like several messages. And then throughout the day, I got probably 10 or 15 more. So I ended up you know, with quite a few people that wanted to do it. I had no idea that people were just waiting. People were just sitting there waiting for projects to work on. And so I would say don't like for anyone out there that's like trying to, to do this, trying to finish a game and you, maybe you have no musical ability or maybe you have no artistic ability or you really stink at just design stuff. There are people out there, like on Reddit and all over the internet, who want to join these teams. Some of them want to do it for free. We did, we did pay the music guy, and uh, that's that's cool too. But like, there's a lot of people out there who just want to be a part of a game dev team and don't know what to do and are looking for teams. And so, it kind of blew me away, honestly, how many people were out there waiting for projects to work on. And, you know, there was some people that weren't as good as others, and I think that's kind of why we chose the guy we did. But um, I mean, for me, it's a totally positive experience so far, at least. And um, did you did you try to do that for finding a programmer or anything else on the team? Uh, no, not for anyone else. We we I thought about um, like potentially for some other things like some marketing and business stuff. But for the most part, I got the programming down and I have the art down, and I feel confident working on both of those at the same time because I've be- I've been doing that for for several years now, and I just kind of it's kind of natural for me nowadays. But um, the music was the biggest thing. I'm a, I'm a musician myself, and I just couldn't can't find the time, like I said before, to switch between technical and creative mindsets like that because music is a very much a process where you have to be able to sit down for a long time and get very little done and be okay with it and because it really like if the music isn't just kind of flowing from you then it's just not going to work and you have to take time to really come up with these ornate melodies and stuff and that's just something i couldn't you know stop development to do and so that's why it was super useful for us at least as a team to you know find someone else that that is just going to focus solely on the music and it really shows because the music is it i'm so happy with how the music turned out for sure and um yeah i mean so i guess what what are the lessons now that you've completed you know pretty much the game you've released it what are things you're going to do differently in your next game based on your experience with the mentorship and just your experience finishing up this game yeah so first thing if you're going to be a part of a team make sure whatever agreement you have whether it's a contract whether it's if maybe people are just doing it for free whatever your agreement is make sure you have everything fleshed out and that everyone is you know a hundred percent knows exactly what's happening because i didn't have too many issues with that but there was a couple little problems we had with that and so just like making sure everyone is a hundred percent on board and a hundred percent knows what's happening and also a big thing that you helped me with too is that knowing like if something or someone does not contribute to the game it doesn't need to be there and that's a really important thing that i learned like this is a business and you have to try to keep it that way um, and then the other thing is, like, for people out there that are kind of in the place I was a few months ago where they just made a bunch of prototypes and they're really happy with their prototypes, but they're just not finished, you need to finish a game because it really does change your, your mindset in a lot of different ways. It, it makes you feel completed, and it also makes you feel like you want to jump back on the horse and go after something else. And it's a really, really refreshing feeling knowing that you actually saw something through and finished it. And so if you're, like, on that fence where you kind of want to finish a project, like, that's one of the most valuable lessons you'll learn. Once you finish something, you'll know what I mean. But it's it's a really, really important thing to actually you know finish what you're working on. I would say that um, Bunky Games as a company, we started working on really um, intricate projects that we didn't have the experience for. And we would slowly work our way down. We'd say, well, this is too complicated. Let's try and finish something smaller first. And we um, worked our way down to 
this uh, game, this puzzle game, Flipper. And now that we have this uh, completed, I feel that we'll use this experience and work our way up to the next one on the list, and it will just kind of explode, and we'll have um, all of our experience. Yeah, I agree, because I think some of, the, some of the valuable just little lessons that you don't even think about, you learn from releasing one of your simple games. Like, whether it's on mobile, whether it's on, like, itch.io, or just, like, some free web player somewhere, just finish a game and release it. Because you'll you'll know so much more, whether or not it's technical, whether or not it's whatever, you'll know so much more than you did the first time. And that's the most valuable thing that I took from it. Because now I think we're going to go into our next project 100%. And we know like now we have to keep working on this, keep pushing. And we're gonna the next game is going to be even bigger and better than this one, I think. So where's the balance between working on this grandiose game that actually inspires people to want to join it? You know, like you sometimes see those posts like, hey, let's work on an MMORPG or something else. Yeah, like, yeah. That is, people inspires them. But at the same time, doing something that complex may be very difficult at first. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I think this is something that developers need to consider is like, where's that balance between saying, okay, we are going to work on this simple puzzle game. And, and how do you get people then on your team motivated to do something like that when they were expecting to do an MMORPG or something else like Rocket League? And yeah, telling so, you that at first we have to do this. And maybe that is the way is to say, you know what, at first we have to do this step because this game, once we release it, we'll learn all these other things that we can then apply to the next step towards that grand game. Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, I think this can uh, uh, honestly apply to a lot of different people, but you have to sit back and be like brutally honest about your skills and about your abilities. Like I know now that I can't make Rocket League and I can't make Skyrim and I can't make Gary's Mind and I can't make all these games just because I don't have the experience and the abilities or the time or the money or anything like that. And so you really have to sit back and think, okay, what is my ultimate... Think about that like way up there. That's my ultimate goal. Where am I now? What do I need to do to get there? And a lot of times what you need to do to get there isn't necessarily just like watching videos and watching tutorials and practicing. A lot of times it's making a simpler game. And you just something that's really important and we didn't do it 100% with Flipper, but I think it's it's partially there. You need to make sure that whatever game you're working on is fully in line with wherever you want to be your dreams, like wherever your dreams are. And so Flipper is a physics-based game. I really do enjoy physics-based games. And that, so that in that aspect, it really does point towards like where I want to be. However, I don't really want to be making puzzle games, you know, three years from now, five years from now. And so like when you're working on a project and you can see in the future, you can see in your head or whatever where you want to be and where your dreams are, Pick a project that's in between there, a few steps in between there, like that will get you even closer. Not quite there yet, because as an as an indie developer who's never finished something, the chance of you being able to make Rocket League or Skyrim or any of these games is virtually zero. And so, like, yeah. if you, you pretty much you have to be brutally honest and incredibly realistic, and you just kind of, you know, just kind of knock it out game at a time, one game at a time, and you'll eventually be there. Like, you really will. And that's how some of these bigger games like Minecraft. I know Notch specifically had been working on lots and lots of games before Minecraft came out, and that just happened to be his first like really successful one. And so you just kind of have to keep going after it. And same with Rocket League, where I think they had an earlier type of game that was similar to the concept, but it wasn't done as well. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was the graphics were a little bit not quite there, and it was just a few a few small things were missing, and they were close. But because of that, they were able to build upon it, and you know, release so, the awesome so, game that they have. So I'm going to pitch something that I think is a concept that indie developers and just developers in general can keep in mind, which is the concept of path thinking, where it's like, okay, or iterative thinking, where it's like, look, you have to take your, each stepping stone is kind of like a mini game 
towards where you want to go and each of those mini games that you release or you know each of those little mini game projects that you release on that way towards your grand idea or grand path have to you know ideally set them up so that they actually train you in all the different dimensions that you need that you think you'll need or at least at least understand or explore as you get to that main game yeah and i think if you take like i said if you think about what your dream game is and almost break that up uh then you can almost kind of go after those small portions like maybe your dream game is a massively multiplayer online physics-based sports game like the chance of you being able to do that for your first game is nothing so maybe start with a simple sports game and then maybe make a more physics-based game and then actually go after multiplayer and then over the next couple years you'll have an audience you'll have money and you'll be have the skills and the abilities to actually make whatever your dream game is yeah and and also some of these games should be potentially projects or even gameplay projects or experiments that help you understand where you would go related to multiplayer sports. Because for Rocket League, I think part of the fun is just seeing these cars that, you know, are kind of playing like soccer or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think yeah. if, you, if, you, if you, it's true because, like, every game needs to be treated as a prototype when you start it because you may have this amazing idea, but if it doesn't translate well into gameplay, it's not going to go anywhere and you're not going to finish it. So you almost like when you start a project think about it as a prototype and if you enjoy it if you enjoy making it if you enjoy playing it and your friends enjoy playing it then it's something you really need to pursue and you know keep keep going after okay and i guess the trade-off though is when you do release these smaller games there's still a lot of energy and effort that needs to be done for these games and so yeah, for maybe sure. so the, the other question is is if it's not your dream game should you set a time limit to how long you're going to work on this project before you release it or or how 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 do you set the dimensions for how long some of these smaller projects should be? Well, for us, I think, and I, I imagine Jace can touch on this too. But for for us, with with Flipper, this is a pro. Like I said, this is a prototype we've done in the past, and so finishing it in a month and a half or a month, honestly, we I I kind of personally expected like maybe two months, three months, something around there, and I was going to take it kind of slow. And then so once I started this mentorship, it was like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to get this done, and. Uh, and so basically, I guess my point with all that is sit back, really look at your skills, be 100% honest. If you're not quite there on the coding coding level or whatever, then you need to just, like fix that and you need to get that to where you need to be. But you need to be realistic. And I would say for your first game, if you have anywhere close to the skills that you need, take a month. Like take a month for your first game. A month is a, is a fair number to where you can actually figure out these things, these valuable lessons and you can also actually finish a simple game. And people, there's there's so many people, so many YouTubers, so many just general consumers out there that would love to play your game. And they might not like it, but they'll love to play it. And so, yeah. it, honestly, the market is really, it's saturated, but it's also like, it's also really open. Like, there's a lot of people that really want, have no interest in making games, but they want to play games. They want to record games. They want to talk about games. They love games. And so, there's really no excuses. Now is the best time there's ever been to get into game development. And there's like, just making a simple game like I mean, I guess Jace could talk about this because we've we've done other games that have been like, yeah, we'll work about this, we'll work on this game for six months and twelve months, and it they never work out, especially for your first game. Yeah. One okay. of the um, things uh, going back to the time constraint, there's there's a law, uh, one of those unwritten laws. I don't remember who said it, but it goes something along the lines of, the more time you have to complete something, the longer it'll take you. So if you have a year to finish it, if you set your deadline at the end of the year. It'll take you the whole year to finish it. But if you set your deadline at the end of the month, then you'll finish it by the end of the month. And you'll get at least, it might be, maybe it won't be the exact same uh, content amount, but you will get some, like, you'll learn some valuable lessons, and you'll, you'll finish a game. And I think for a first game specifically, 
taking a month to do this is a fair trade because a lot of people don't like to transition to you know having whatever their free time is because a lot of times people have school people have jobs they need to commit like almost all of their free time to game development and people don't like that so think yeah. taking a month a month off almost to do that will help you transition into that and it's a really really great thing to do and more people should be doing it yeah or maybe even two weeks i think maybe a month yeah for might sure be too much at, for your first one and then so yeah so i think this concept of just constant iteration iterative product iteration it, i mean your iteration is through your products rather than just quote saying we're going to have a two-year project and we're going to quote have an iterative project yeah um iterative parts of that two-year project because then you're not releasing you're not getting feedback you're not learning about you know where you're going to promote it how are you going to promote it all these other things and i think one one thing that's really cool is that with game jams they definitely do game jams they give you a really short amount of time to really go after a game and some of the more successful games specifically with youtubers have been have come from game jams like these silly stupid simple fun little games people love them and people have made them in literally 48 hours and they were done and they didn't touch it after that and so I mean, like, Ludum Dare and some of these other game jams are perfect opportunities for you to really just go after a game and actually finish it as well. Have you done any of the game jams uh, recently or anything like that? Yeah, we, we do the, the Ludum Dare. I'm sure I'm butchering the, the – it's a Latin phrase, so I'm sure I'm butchering the uh, – how to pronounce it or whatever. But um, we, we do that every every – I guess it's three times a year, I guess, isn't it? And, uh, that sounds right. Yeah, we've been doing that uh, since, I would say, two years now. Okay. And uh, – for us, that gives us a totally new way. They always end up being physics-based games, like 99% <laughs> of the time. But uh, that gives us a new way to like work on our skills, and we try our best to come up with a genre and a gameplay type and something that we would never do otherwise. So we can sort of almost get the experience in that field because a game jam gives you you can focus on it for 48 hours, but then you can kind of forget about it, which is nice. Yeah. So focusing and, on um, something you're not. No, go ahead. Oftentimes in the game jams, it'll give you a, a specific uh, like set of rules or topic that you have to follow. And I really like that part of the game jams because it makes you uh, work your mind in a way that you wouldn't normally. And you can get some nice skills out of that, um, of thinking of different ways to use stuff or different ways to use a certain set of rules. Isn't it isn't it annoying though to have to work on a skill or I mean on a, on a topic that you don't necessarily feel passionate about or what are your well, thoughts on that? Yeah, it it's it's annoying. Like one of the one of the previous ones that we were really frustrated by was I think it was like Monster Under Your Bed or something along those lines. And we we don't like making scary games. We like making like really fun kind of crazy games. And so for us, that was probably one of the least successful game jams for us if we were being honest because we didn't really get a whole lot done. But the cool thing about that is. It gives you this this phrase like a monster under your bed or uh, I don't remember some of the other ones like uh, two button controls was one yeah two button controls stuff like that and that's it there's no rules other than that so you could literally there's some games that literally you use like a shirt button to control the game like and there were some games where like a monster under your bed where like maybe you are the monster under someone else's bed like you can take whatever twist on it however you want and that totally forces you to think like really really creatively in a way that you would never think otherwise. It forces you to be unique. It forces you to be uh, intriguing and interesting because like, you, you don't want to be the same as everyone else, right? Because a monster under your bed, that would be a pretty generic game if someone just made a game about running away from a monster under your bed. And so some of the different prototypes and game ideas that, that came out of that game jam are really interesting and unique. And those are the ones that do the best because they're like, man, this person like really came out with like, a really interesting idea. And so, yeah, it's kind of discouraging when you have a theme that's not really matches up with what your passion is but it forces you to almost make that theme align with your passion which is actually you come up with a really interesting game in the end 
so 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 maybe it's a mix then of what yeah. you're of, of like you know your own personal prototypes and then doing some of these game jams so i guess yeah any other suggestions then for other indie developers out there or any recommendations based on your experience yeah i would just say I, i'm sure jace has some some ideas too but i would just say utilize reddit as a whole that's become one of the best um uses for me because reddit like if anyone is not familiar with reddit basically it's just a website that's full of any community you could possibly think of whether it's like relating to a tv show you like or relating to a specific food item or a sports team or whatever there are game development forums there are game development classified forums there are forums for when you need to get a team together there's forums for you want people to play your games and they're all active and there's people in there constantly talking and chatting and sharing things and so like for you to not utilize that it's just kind of a waste and i think it's a there's people in there that want to help you there's people in there that will share tips on how to you know move along and help you learn things and um I mean, that would be my personal, like, biggest opinion. That's been the biggest help for me, or just kind of overall, is just, it's, it's basically this gi- ginormous resource of all these little niche things that you probably wouldn't find a whole lot of online elsewhere, but it's a really great community. I don't know, Jace, if you have any tips for... Uh, I would say, if I were to tell the game developers anything, is uh, don't let it get stale. That seemed to be our biggest problem when we were making games, is that we would start a game, and then the hype would die down, and we would kind of uh, you know let it trail off and not work on it as much so I would say get the hype up keep the hype up and if you sense the hype going down um, try something different yeah uh, see if if you're making a physics based game try and um, do something non physics based to see if you can implement that into the game change it a little bit yeah keep it alive yeah and I think one one I don't remember who said it but one thing I've heard is that like people always worry about like how like the game community or game dev community is constantly changing and new norms are being formed and stuff like that. And it's like, there's no way that you're going to be able to keep up with the change unless you are the change. So don't be afraid to like think outside the box and go after some really unique ideas because some of the most random, unique ideas, like a lot of times, I, I mean, I don't think people would have thought originally that they would have liked Minecraft that much, but I mean, it's like the most successful indie game of all time at this point. And yeah. That's just because it was a unique, fresh idea that this guy had. He iterated, he did it well. And so don't be afraid, basically, to come up with this kind of crazy concept and see it all the way through. Because if you want to you wanna keep up with the change, you have to be the change. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's that's inspiring. I think that's what, what indie developers need to keep in mind because things do change in this industry a lot. So what are other ways that you do keep things fun? I mean, were, were there parts... When we were doing the mentorship thing, were there parts of you know the week or whatever else where it wasn't as fun what what are your thoughts on that or did you feel completely motivated every day and the reason i ask is because i mean you did have a completed game and i just want to know if there were like troughs and you know any kind of challenges or was it did it feel like it was like constantly inspiring yeah so for me like i really enjoyed working on the gameplay mechanics and working on the basic art assets and that's just sort of general game development area is the most fun for me but really digging into the really dirty technical stuff, it's fun, but it's not as fun. And it really, like, it's stressful. And so I guess for the most part, one of the one of the biggest things that sort of, I don't know, got in the way is just, like, towards the end, I just, I, I naturally kind of order things in the order that I would want to do them. So I kind of get the gameplay mechanics out of the way first and do the art and sort of stuff. So I was left with this sort of pile of these dirty jobs that I really did not want to do. And so it, my days were really slow and unproductive for, like, last week. Last week when I was working on the game, there was a lot of 
a lot of days where I would, you know, sit back at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I got like nearly nothing done today. Um, but honestly, a single, if a day goes by, you don't get something done, then it's like, it's a wasted day. But if you get something done, at least you made something out of that day. But for me, like, like I said, towards the end, I left that, like that pile of dirty jobs and it was just kind of, and I know with Jace with the level design stuff, he was kind of, I was, I was moving along like kind of really fast, faster than he was anticipating. So he had like certain days where he had to design like 16 or more levels in a single day. Um, I would say, um, with that pile of dirty jobs each day, make a list Give yourself objectives. What do you want to get done in this day? Yeah, and honestly, uh, set, like set goals. Exactly, and if you like at the beginning of the day, you'll think, yeah, I need to get all this done, and you'll be able to think, yeah, this is reasonable. I can actually do all this stuff. If so, if you make that list, and you like say, I will not go to bed, or I will not eat lunch, or I will not do whatever. I don't know. Probably you shouldn't shouldn't skip lunch, but I will not do whatever. I will not, you know, text, or I will not go on Facebook until I finish these jobs, and like force yourself to stick to that rule. You'll actually you will get a lot more done. Yeah. And uh, for me, that's kind of one of the things I did. Like, I would wake up in the morning, I would say, okay, I need to get this, this, and this done. And I would do my best to do whatever I had to do other that wasn't related to game development, get that out of the way first, and then just really knock those things out. And some days weren't productive, and some of the more recent days were really unproductive because they were just messy, technical, business, oftentimes just kind of that junk that I don't want to mess with. And so that's basically, that was one of the bigger things that sort of got in the way, slowed it down a little bit. Yeah, I was going to mentioned earlier just the concept of having a penalty if you don't reach certain milestones for yourself i think might be another way to keep motivated especially if you say okay i'm going to make a game in two weeks if you don't finish that game in two weeks then you just commit that you're going to throw away the prototype or throw away the game idea or something else Mm -hmm. like that where it's like okay are you really motivated to finish this game idea is this game idea compelling enough for you to want to finish it and if not then you just throw it away and as you were saying like don't eat or whatever it is that yeah be kind of these minor penalties (laughs) yeah i feel like Honestly, uh, like one of the, the better things to do, like, if you're passionate about the prototype, I don't know if throwing it away would be the, the best thing. I feel like, on a better note, like, you got to think about completely unrelated to technology and game development. What is your favorite thing to do? Maybe it's to go outside and play soccer, or maybe it's to just go hang out with your friends, and, like, just erase that from your life for a day or two, and just, like, dig into the game, because oftentimes these things are great things that we love to do, but they're distractions, and if you need to be serious about game development, you need to be willing to at least somewhat sacrifice these things, for, at least for small periods of time. And so I think... You know, like like you said, setting yourself a penalty, whether it's, you know, I can't, I can't leave the house today at all unless you like have to or whatever. Like you know, whatever it is, um, you need to be committed. And for me, more or less, honestly, the mentorship was my was my sort of uh, push to get the game done because you, you know I would know that I would have to talk to you at the end of the day and be like, okay, yeah, I didn't actually get this done and I didn't get this done, and that was enough for me to say, yeah, I need to get this stuff done so I can show them all the cool things I did. So. Uh, you just have to come up with something that, that can be a really natural penalty, something that can really, more, more than a penalty, it's a natural sort of shove in the right direction. And if you can get something, to figure whatever out, figure out whatever that is, then you're going to be on track to actually getting your game done. You mentioned that to keep up with change, you better be the change. And so what's, what's next in store for your studio then? Yeah, so the biggest, and Jace can agree with this, and uh, we've, we've talked about this a lot together, uh, the biggest thing, in our opinion, that's that's you know up and coming and going to be the new thing is virtual reality. And one thing that, and I, you know, Jace, you could talk about this when I'm done here. But uh, one of the things that I uh, personally have discovered, I got to try out the HTC Vive, the HTC Vive Pre, and it was amazingly fun to do everyday, common, real life tasks in VR because 
there's risks in real life. Like, you're going to drop a plate, it's going to break. There's risks in real life, and you have to deal with the consequences. There are no consequences in virtual reality. So people can do what they want. People can ch chuck a mug of coffee at their coworker or whatever, like uh, in Job Simulator. Or they can uh, draw whatever they want on the walls in Tilt Brush because that's just what they can do. And there's no consequences. So it's almost like this open... It's virtual reality for a reason because it really is like reality, but it's virtual and you can do what you want without consequences. And so for us, I just kind of veered off a little bit, but for us, after this game, we, we already got our uh, our dev kits ordered or our uh, our VR kits ordered for, uh, for that. And we're going to kind of honestly move our company as a whole towards virtual reality like 100% because we, we truly see a spark there. We truly see a change there. And... Honestly, the field of virtual reality developers on the grand scale of things is minuscule. And this is the time to be a part of it. This is the time to be a part of the change. and Because there are games and there are concepts and there are ideas that haven't been touched yet. And it's an open playing field. And so for us to jump in there and say, okay, we're going to take this and we're going to run with this. You can literally be the change. That's just like when the iPhone first came out. Some of these games that first came out, like Doodle Jump and other things, yeah, these games are simple and now they're kind of you know, worn down and kind of boring. But at that time, these games were new, these games were innovative, these games were amazing. And so if you want to be the change, you got to think about where is the change currently heading? And you got to jump in front of the crowd and like do your best to to run with whatever you have. Because for us, virtual reality is that change. We're both believers now, for, for you know, fully. And Jace, you can kind of, you know, mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit further. Yeah, um, I think right now, virtual reality is more of a uh, hobbyist kind of thing. Like people who are enthusiasts about virtual reality but I would say within 20 years uh, uh, headsets like the Vive or the Rift are going to be as common in a household as maybe an Xbox or a Playstation so um, right now while the wave is building we want to get on the wave and ride it all the way to um, success fame, I guess yeah, yeah success yeah. yeah so what I mean but you know so you're saying VR isn't going to be as big as mobile because there are more, pe more people with mobile devices than PlayStation and Xbox. So yeah, what, what are so your thoughts on that? For us, VR is a completely different market than mobile. For me personally, I split those off into two completely different things. It's like a fridge and a, like a toilet. Like they're just different things. They're both this sort of same kind of idea, but they're different things. And so mobile phones are kind of, they're going to keep getting newer and nicer and new features and stuff. And, but they're completely separate, in my opinion. And so virtual reality is a new way for people to experience life, to be honest. Like, phones give us this way to be social and to connect and to always have this sort of uh, direct access to life. And that's not the goal of virtual reality. The goal of virtual reality is almost be able to experience life in these different ways. It's not, it's, it is a very social thing. But So I think comparing it to mobile, comparing it to... Honestly, even comparing it to Xboxes and PlayStation is kind of a negative thing because... That almost limits the potential of what VR has. And VR as a whole is quite literally has potential. I've read things. I've experienced myself. I've seen testimonials of other people that have used it. It can quite literally be life-changing in its whole. And like that's like that's a really big thing. Because when it all comes down to it, like this this virtual reality thing, if it if it's taken seriously, it's gonna honestly 20 years I think I think is even more than what it'll be. Like within the next five or ten years, I think this could potentially be the next big thing in technology in general because like people are going to want to use this to experience things that they just are unable to do whether it's going on a vacation but maybe they're maybe they're handicapped or whether it's uh, performing a rock concert but they have no musical ability like these are things that just people will now be able to experience in real life well technically real life but 
that they never would otherwise. And this is something that our generation is the first generation to be able to have a look at at all. And so this is like, it's, it's an amazing time to be alive, an amazing time to be a developer. Because like, for me, virtual reality is going to be a brand new thing, a whole separate category in, of, in and of itself. It's and a so game changer. It really, it's a game changer. It's also like uh, potentially a life changer. Like, and I mean that, I don't say that lightly. Like this is really has potential to be the next big thing in general. And I'm, like I said, I'm not just going to say that lightly. I've been doing my research. I've used it myself. It's in the first version, like, like, like Jay said, it's, it's kind of an enthusiast thing. But within the next couple iterations, that'll, just, that'll be coming within the next few years. This is going to be a common household thing, in my opinion. And I think this is like a really great time to be a part of it. What about um, VR versus augmented reality or mixed reality? I mean, don't you feel that mixed reality or augmented reality might be bigger than VR? What, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like it's kind of the same idea because more or less with uh, with AR, AR also has a lot of potential because people like living in real life, but there are certain things, like I said, that you can't do in real life. And um, so maybe having like, you know, whether it's your virtual re- or, or augmented reality headset or glasses, whatever the, the technology decides to you know settle down as, uh, being able to check the weather on your wall is a really neat thing or being able to like play a game on your coffee table when you're bored is a, a really awesome idea. And so I think it's this sort of the same idea they're both going to be huge. They're both going to be awesome and massive, and they're both awesome things to sort of jump on board. But at their core, they're completely different and separate things. And personally, I, I'm sort of leaning towards the virtual reality market. I'm not saying it's going to be bigger. I just kind of, that's just sort of my natural tendency to kind of go towards that. Um, but augmented reality is going to be, I think, a different thing, but just as big, if not bigger. Um, and so people that are inter- interested in going into that field, that's definitely an awesome field. The only problem with that is, the technology isn't there yet, in my opinion. Virtual reality, we just come to a place where we actually have feasible technology. Augmented reality, the Microsoft HoloLens developer kit, I think, is will be available soon or just was available, and it's like $3,000, and that's just not there yet. And so now you have you know, you know, have the Rift, you have the PlayStation VR, you have uh, the HTC Vive, all under $1,000, uh, and this is like viable technology. So I think augmented reality definitely has the potential, but for me it's just almost but not quite there yet. And what, what, I mean, what if VR, do you feel that VR, because what if VR is just like Connect, where it's kind of like this gimmick and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really become a huge thing? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I feel like personally, uh, I know both of both me and Jace have tried the Vive and we both tried Connect. And I think personally, putting these sort of like as a society, we can put these free restrictions on the technology and it just doesn't work because we put those restrictions on it. Like VR. If enough people go into it and they try to be successful in the market, it's really competitive and people are aggressive. That's just kind of—it's the same thing works with anything. That's the only reason we have these super amazing smartphones is because someone went after this crazy, insane, random idea of a smartphone, of a cellular device, and because someone ran with that, we now have these amazing portable devices in our pockets. So I think, in order for virtual reality to not be a gimmick, there has to be these people like us and like. Valve and like Google and like I'm not I'm not trying to compare ourselves to Valve or Google, but like you get you get, you get the, the main yeah. idea. There has to be these these companies all going after it. And it has to be a big market. It has to be competitive. Um, and I think for virtual reality, that's totally happening. You have three main players in VR already, with more people popping up every day. Uh, maybe even four main players if you count Google. And with you know developers popping up across the nation every single day across the whole world. And and so I think VR, for me, is really leaning towards that not being a gimmick because everyone's going after it. You'll come out with the best product. If you have everyone coming after it, one of them is going to be the best. So that's just kind of how I feel about it. So in, a, in essence, 
whether or not an idea works is up to the people. And we have already seen that quite a few people are for um, virtual reality. Okay. And what uh, what do you think of? I guess yeah. So what's going to be the do you, so what's going to be the process for you to become if if virtual reality becomes this huge thing? What is going to be your process um, as a game studio to actually get to you know to be at the forefront of this, to be leading the change, so that you become one of those iconic names associated with the VR movement? Yeah. So for us, one of the big things we've we've realized is that every everything in general, like just every thing, period, started with a prototype, right? And so whether it's like your car or your refrigerator or your computer or whatever, your phone, VR, uh, games, they all start with a prototype. And for us, we really have to be able to dig down at that really low level and experiment and, and figure out what is amazingly fun and what's amazingly unique and different in order for us to really be successful and iconic. Because people make the, the new Flappy Bird and the new uh, be, uh, bejeweled and the new Candy Crush every or, you know every day, and it's just a clone, and it's like none of that is interesting anymore. And so, I think if we if we go after it with the mindset of like this is a field that's been untouched, we have a lot of potential areas we can go after, and like I don't know, just kind of going after it like it's a prototype. We need to make it the most insanely fun we possibly can. That's the way you become iconic in any field, like yeah. whether you're making clothes or whatever you're doing. You got to be unique. You got to be different. Uh, I would say also with being different is being being there early. Uh, you know, VR is just starting. If we can get there while there's not a lot of players on the board, we can um, be towards the front of the line when there are more players on the board. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. That's if like you, if with... you have the right idea. If you find exactly. that right idea early on, just like you mentioned Doodle Jump, where they... You know, they had the right idea at the right time, and boom, they're at least more iconic than a lot of these other apps that are more sophisticated right now yeah. that are getting released. And exactly, and that's the thing with technology. It's, in constantly, it's, it's constantly increasing and getting better. You know, we look at Doodle Jump now, like, man, that game is not that cool. But you think about it, that was completely revolutionary back when it first came out. Like, no one had played a game like that before, at least not really. And so with VR, like I said, you got to be there early. Like Jay said, you got to be there early. You got to be there got to be there the right way, though. Like, you have to be able to come up with an idea and a concept that's really there. And um, we've been doing a lot of market uh, analyzing. We've been watching lots of different content, uh, reading lots of different articles. Like I said, we went to try it ourselves. Um, and so for us, we're going to sit back to this. And we know, like, honestly, before VR becomes super mainstream, we don't have a ton of time. And so we kind of almost have one shot to really make this work well. And so that's why we're take taking this a little bit slower, but we're almost like we don't want to mess up. We want to come up with a really amazingly fun idea and just go after it with everything we have. I think that's honestly the only way we can truly be successful. Or maybe you need to release three or four kind of small projects, and then you know your fifth one is that. Yeah, and I think that's kind of be, that's part of the process. I think because you, like to, in order to figure out what is insanely fun, sometimes you might think something's fun, but everyone else doesn't, and so that's sort of almost part of the process. Like making these small pro these small iterative projects will lead you to what is to where you need to be, and we're willing to do that. Like we're totally we're willing to do whatever we need to do in order to be successful and to like. Honestly, a lot of times people think game development's about the money. For us, genuinely it isn't. And it's about we wanna be we wanna be able to make games for people. That's our like our goal. And money just is sort of a an added bonus. And so like like you said, making these small projects, making these, these iterative releases will give you the insight you need to be to, to make that next amazing game for whatever platform you're working on. And 
you know, with Doodle Jump, I think when they first released it, it wasn't really a success out the gate and they kept on iterating on it. So what's going to be the balance for you guys in terms of whatever projects you release, iteration versus moving on to the next thing? I, I think personally, um, and I, I Jason speak to this too, but whenever we've done a game in the past, like you said, like the first version generally wasn't amazing and it's taken different different uh iterations and different versions for us to come up with something that we actually like and that's another way don't be afraid to utilize the internet and reddit and all these websites because there are people on there who don't have time to make games don't have the will to make games don't have the skills the knowledge the money whatever the time and these people are willing to, to look at your game and say look this is awesome or this is this is terrible and so this is like you have this completely unbiased resource like just showing the game to your mom she's gonna be like oh this is amazing like that's not going to cut it. You need some people to really tell you, this is not going to work, this is going to work. And there's people out there that are willing to do that. And these are potential buyers, potential people who like want to play, play your games. They want you to make good games. Like I'm not even talking about like your competition in game dev. Like There are people out there who are buying these, these uh, VR headsets that want amazing games to play, and they want you to be successful, and they want you to make the best game possible, and they're willing to tell you if your game stinks. And so, I mean... If you want, like, 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 like you were saying though, like this, this iterative process is kind of what you need. You need to make these small variations and show them to people, so that people can try them and play them and see them. And if you want to be successful, that's kind of the only way you can do it, really. One of the only ways, at least. Okay. So the next thing um, I wanted to discuss is, I guess, where can once again, where can listeners find out more information about your game? Yeah. So, yeah, because we're, we're we're currently uh we're currently updating the website. The website doesn't have a ton of information. Uh, that should be up very soon. Um, but, um, the game is called Flipper, uh, F-L-I-P-R, it's, uh, on Google Play, it's on Amazon, if you search Flipper on Amazon, it's the first thing that comes up, if you search, if you search, uh, search on Google Play, lots of other things come up, if you search Bunky Games, with no spaces, on, uh, Google Play, it's the first thing that comes up, um, and it should be on, on Amazon Underground as well soon, uh, go to our website, we're gonna be posting updates there very shortly, um, uh, potentially by the time this is released, and we'll have lots of info about where to get the game, how to find it, some more info about us, um, and uh, our emails are on there, um, Twitter, all this stuff. If you need to contact us, feel free. We'd love to talk to any of you, or if you guys want to you know, do whatever, we're always open to you know, whatever. So feel free to contact us, check out our game. Uh, Jason, I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that. Um, not really. We, have, um, we should be posting a, a link to the actual game on the website shortly. Yeah, it, by, by the time this, this is released, it should be all up there. So. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the best place. We have uh, our, all of our emails, and uh, you, there's a contact page directly on the website. So if you have anything you want to add, any advice, any tips, any uh, you want advice, you want tips, whatever, we're totally willing to talk to any of you. And uh, yeah, that's that's where to find us. So yeah, bunkygames.com, B-U-N-K-E-Y games.com. Um, and yeah, check us out, find us, talk to us. <laughs> cool. Thanks again for your time. Take care. Thanks.